For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. everyone to another wonderful episode of Jacob's Cabin. This is Anna and Denise and we are here to continue our feedback from the finale. We still have other feedback that's sort of sitting out in limbo waiting to be read and heard and admired by all Uh, but we'll get to that next week hopefully. Um, Before we get to the rest of the feedback that we received for the finale we um, wanted to share some uh, other kinds of feedback that we got from last week because we put that challenge out there for people to submit two sentences Mm -hmm. to describe Lost because someone had come up to me at church and asked me to do just that. Describe Lost in two sentences. That's really hard. Whoa, okay, (laughs) off the top of my head, uh, here goes. So, uh, yeah, we were curious to see what everybody else said. So... We have a few responses. Would you like to read Miss Wendy's? Okay. Um, she says, My two sentences to describe Lost, trying to be as spoiler-free as possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a group of strangers whose plane crashes on an even stranger island. However, it turns out that these people, as well as the place they've just landed on, are tied to each other in ways that they or we could have never imagined. Here's hoping that would be a vague yet still intriguing enough description for someone who would want to watch the show. I think that sounds good. It and doesn't give away too much, but it's like, wait, what? And that's like they perfect Miss Wendy, what? too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Because she fit, she, you know, she fit as much information as possible into those two sentences with no spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the plane crash, everybody knows it's about a plane crash, but yeah. then, like, what, what really draws you in is the mysterious part and the things that you couldn't have imagined seeing on the island, like polar bears and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe, uh... Somebody can tell a friend that, and that'll get them hooked into Lost. I hope so. From Coke Logic on Twitter, uh, he summarized the series. Um, he started out summarizing the sixth season and sort of turned this into summarizing this, the series. Despite the disconnected feel of the sixth season to the series, The Trials of John Locke is one of the best stories ever told. What stays with me the most is the depth of the mythology created. I like that, too. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the, the what sticks with you. After Lost, the mythology. Mm-hmm. And Trent from the Manners cast sent in his two sentences. Lost is a character study disguised as a mystical thriller and an experience meant to be had by a community. Go Lost! <laughs> <laughs> I like the second sentence there. That's great. <laughs> and then we got one from Carl uh, via email. And uh, this is sort of a long two sentences, but it packs a lot in there. Lost is an epic adventure story, a soap opera in the best way, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, a Twilight Zone episode, a Discovery Channel documentary, a Shakespearean play, a showcase for great acting and writing, and a story of redemption and loss all wrapped up to make a compelling watch. 
The story of loss centers around a group of plane crash survivors on an isolated island, and just when you think you have lost figured out, the show, and your perspective of it, changes in frustrating and wonderful ways, even as early as the first few hours of the pilot, and is still changing even now after the show is complete. Okay, I could totally see that being the beginning of a story in like a magazine or a newspaper about Lost. <laughs> because No, I mean, tell mm -hmm. me that doesn't sound like the beginning of an article. Yeah, because I would totally read that article. Completely grabs your attention. You're you're like, what? It's Sherlock Holmes in the Twilight Zone and Discovery <laughs> Channel. <laughs> How can it be all these things at once? But it is. I think Carl is a very good writer. <laughs> I think so. I agree. <laughs> Long sentences, but very good ones. And we have two voicemails that we received. We'll play them back to back. The first one is from Jay from Gainesville, and second one is from Karen from the ODI podcast and Karen's Lost Notebook. Dot blogspot.com where she writes about Lost. Hi, Anna and Denise. This is Jay in Gainesville. Um, I just tried to leave my description of Lost in two sentences, but I got cut off, so I'm going to try again. Lost is a dense character study that is set primarily on a mysterious island. Through six harrowing seasons, the survivors of a plane crash are caught up in the last days of a centuries-old battle between a vicious smoke monster that takes on human form and his brother, the powerful protector of the island. Thanks a lot, guys. I love the show. Bye. Hi, it's Karen from Karen's Lost Notebook, and I'd like to leave you two sentences describing Lost, at least my take on it anyway. It's a modern-day fairy tale of people who are metaphorically lost. They must endure the adventurous journey in Wonderland to find themselves. That's my two cents. <laughs> Break a leg. Have a great show. Bye. Thanks, Jay and Karen. Jay's is a little spoilery, but still very good, and mm -hmm. Karen's was perfect, too. They were both very good. We appreciate people sending those in. If you still want to send it in, we'll play it next time. Yeah. Uh, you can give us a call. The voicemail number's on our blog, jacobscabinpodcast.com, or you can send an email to me, anna.in.indiana at gmail.com, and we'll make sure those get on our show. So, next up, we have voicemails, emails, blog comments. So let's start off with a voicemail comment. I think we still have one waiting from the JD man. Hello, Anna, co-host Denise. This is the JD man. And this is my comment on the finale. As far as the finale goes, I, I can't say it was a good one or it was a bad one. I know it's been a couple of weeks and I've seen the episode a few times and I still can't really make up my mind up about it. It's probably one of those endings I'll have to watch the entire series through and then watch it again to see if it flows better or not. I really just can't call it at this point. And it's not, it's not simple like, um, let's say the... Um, no, that's not a good example either. I guess finales are tough in a way. You know, you have to give the audience something that's a close to the show. And something that gives the audience a chance to say goodbye to the characters. Which this did... And it had an ending, you know, the ending of the story with it, too. It's just, 
There's just some little thing about it that's bugging me. I can't even put my finger on it. But it's just one of those things, I guess, where some people like it, some don't. I'm just going to have to watch it straight through with that ending and see if I can get a better opinion on it. Right now, I'm sorry I just can't call it. And, um... I guess that's all I have to say about it. I actually wish I had a better comment for you guys, but it's just, I'm not at that point yet, I guess. Alright, well, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, JD Man. We, we understand where you're coming from. It is hard to know what to say sometimes, and, and this is definitely a finale that has people reacting all over the place mm -hmm. still and switching their mind, changing their mind now that a few weeks have gone by and they've had a chance to rewatch, and you said finales are tough, and yeah. that's true. It's got to be tough to uh, plan what exactly you want to do and what you want to see. I did, I did like your point about the audience needing to say goodbye. Yeah. Because, I mean... For shows I've been less invested in than Lost, I still like to see the ending and, you know, kind of have resolution and and know that, you know, obviously the characters aren't real, but in their mm -hmm. imaginary TV show life, they're still kind of going on and doing stuff. Like, I, it's going to sound really cheesy, but the end of Friends, I totally bawled my eyes out because, you know, I'd been watching them for years and then they finally, you know, kind of moved on and everything. Hmm. And I was definitely less invested than that than I am in Lost. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that, like, for me, I think going back and watching again, it'll feel, what I'm guessing is it'll feel like all the real-time island stuff, that storyline, I think, is, is pretty strong Yeah. all along. It's the sideways that, that's what feels like they were taking the whole season to say goodbye, now that you go back. Because... There's not really that much of a point to it, but it's it's sort of slowly saying goodbye, and all of the character flashbacks during the finale and the other awakening-type moments, that's yeah. sort of them saying goodbye. And I don't know if it's more for us. I mean, it's partly for us, but it's, I think it's partly also for the, the people who make the show, because they're the ones who had to do the arranging of getting certain cast members to come back, yeah. and getting them all together for the finale, and that must have taken a lot of doing, but they pulled it off. And we got to see all that, and they got to say goodbye to the original, basically the original people that we had back in season one, for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, that was cool, but, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the Sideways anymore, because it's, I feel like, well, what's the point to go back and watch it again? Well, I think it'd be kind of neat to rewatch all the Sideways knowing what we do now, because even just rewatching the finale, knowing that the Sideways was, you know, the little Heaven Treehouse thing, it was neat to kind of see people coming to that realization. Because, you know, we saw them realizing stuff before, but we didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be neat to go back through that and watch them realize it and then knowing more of what's going on. Maybe. I still feel like it's a really <laughs> long way to say goodbye. <laughs> it, it kind of is, but, you know, I guess I'm just appreciating it for what it is. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, move on to some emails. Um, we've got an email here from Scotty6, and uh, it's called The Point. I think this is going to be the point of the whole show, maybe. <laughs> um, I think the point is, what happened on the island was real, and it was these people's lives. That's the story we watched. Fine. The story of these people included crazy mysteries on Magical Island. 
That, perhaps, is secondary to the point that Christian makes. The connections made between people are what makes our lives our lives. Whether those connections are made while saving the world from a crazy smoke monster or working at Mr. Cluck's. This was brought home by the last thing Jack sees while he's alive, and what gives him great peace at the end, his friend surviving by flying the plane off the island. Stepping aside from the emotion, I have been thinking about questions and answers, and realizing that going the direction they went last night, I guess he wrote this the day after the finale, was the only way to have any weight in the telling of the story. They could have simply played out the storyline of the show. What would they have answered? Plenty would have been left out. We are left to ponder many things ourselves. Because they took the story this way, it gives us the freedom to not worry about Ben's box or Annie or this, that, and the other. Those are parts of the lives of these characters, but the reason for these characters being together again before moving on is that they all knew and loved each other. From Scotty Six. So I think that's a very uh, good way to phrase it. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully J.D. Mann will appreciate that too, I guess, to kind of bring it back to the characters and uh -huh. say, okay, you know, I maybe still we don't know how to feel about it, but we can at least see, okay, the characters, they loved each other, they... Yeah, know. I still do want to know what was in the box and... And know about Annie. I was so yeah. convinced that she was going to be Charlotte's mom. <laughs> she was redhead. Well, I mean, you know, they did make such a big deal out of it. And then it was just like, poof, nothing. But. Yeah. That is too bad. All right. A couple short blog comments here. Uh, Timmy, fetch me my tools. I enjoy the various character evolution over the seasons, particularly liking Josh Holloway and Jorge Garcia, but wasn't the entire series all about the island? Weren't we led to believe the island itself is an entity unto itself? This seems to have been sidestepped for the resolution of the Alterverse timeline. So what about the island as a character? Did it get forgotten? Overlooked? Um, maybe a little bit, because I think that the island as a character was so tied into the mythology that... They're, you know, they they could have done more with that, but, you know, we're never, we knew that we were never going to get all the answers we wanted. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I guess maybe it almost would have been better to have it the way it is rather than to get, like, two or three answers and then just be like, oh, you could have gotten so much more, but you didn't, you know? So, is the island's version of moving on, is that being at the bottom of the ocean, not having to be worried about and protected by people and all that sort of thing is it just sort of being out of commission is its way of moving on and having let go yeah i think so okay uh, another blog comment this is from arturo one more thing that doesn't make sense when jacob said it only ends once did he mean that smoky ends once or the island or what else could it be and when Smokey said they come and destroy and corrupt things, did he mean that they come to the island to destroy things? Or do they wake up in Altiverse and corrupt others to wake up as well and destroy things in Altiverse? Oh, I hadn't really thought about it that way. That's a kind of dark way of looking at the Altiverse. Like, we saw the light and we assumed they were going on to good things, but this is almost suggesting, is it bad for them to wake up? I don't, I don't necessarily see it as dark. I mean, it talks about destroying, but it could be destroying the fake reality and showing them the real reality you know instead of destroying it could be you could put awakening in in your in the ultraverse yeah, yeah i mean i don't think it's it's bad because i he's used the word corrupt but i don't think that they would corrupt i yeah. don't think it's corrupting influence that they're using on each other to wake up um so i think that the corrupt and destroy must just be for real life and mm -hmm. I would almost guess that it's limited to the island, but I'm not sure. Because 
of the mystical powers of the island and because they don't really seem to care what happens off the island and I think that be things being corrupt, people being corrupt, is basically a fact off yeah. the island. But what Jacob was trying to prove was they don't have to be once they come here. Um, but he never really seemed to prove that point. Um, he proved that people could find redemption and people mm -hmm. could move on past their issues, but never proved that things were perfect. So I guess anybody that came to the island brings certain things with them, brings certain amounts of corruption, and that just comes out. It's mm -hmm. human nature. So do you think, like he said, that Smokey only ends once? Is there somehow going to be a new Smokey that's created? Um, I think, I don't think he was referring to Smokey when he said it only ends once. I think he's referring to the whole cycle of people coming there and seeing if people need to prove themselves. I, I don't think that phrase refers to Smokey. I think oh, it's okay. everything, the whole life that they're living and the so instead kind of cycle of, that we So instead see. of like the literal Smokey, it's maybe like, the smoky part of people. Yeah, that that's a way you could say it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for those blog comments. We'll um, go now to another voicemail, and let's hear from Methodic John. Hi, it's uh, Methodic John calling in with comments and thoughts on the end. And I don't think I called before, but to be honest with you, I was in a bit of a haze after the finale for like a day. Couldn't really, couldn't really process much with respect to Lost. So who, who knows what I did. But uh, it was a really great episode. I, I like how they tied up the sideways. And I kind of always expected there was a, you know, a big hook uh, with, with that. And, you know, clearly we see what that was now. And, um, you know, I've rewatched a bunch of uh, episodes. And I'm up to, like, mid-season three already. And, you know, all in all, I don't, I don't see any glaring continuity issues. And I have a feeling as season three winds down, the odds of continuity with respect to season six is going to be even better. Um, you know, after all, they're making a runway of sorts over there on Hydra. And it's pretty clear, you know, why they needed that for season five. So, you know, I think... All in All Lost was a great series, and every day I feel a little bit better, and every day I feel a little bit sadder. Um, being the Lost fanatic that I am, I bought one of the Lost wristbands, so check Twitter, I guess. Um, that was kind of a nice little thing. I don't really wear jewelry, but I kind of like my Lost wristband. It's a nice reminder. And, um, you know, just... Uh, Probably going to do a rewatch. Not sure if I'm going to do the one starting June 1st or the Jay and Jack one when I get the complete collector's edition. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. The, 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 the season six DVDs of complete collection are going to have supplemental footage, and I'm curious how that is going to impact my like or dislike for... Um, you know, season six in the show. But frankly, it's been posted on Twitter. At this point in time, it's speculating on theories is, you know, to a certain degree, exciting and fun, but really, unless someone from the producers or the writers or some other group that actually would know supplemental canon were to validate or speak, we really are just, you know, 
spinning our wheels because I think we as a community really ground down most things as they came up. So, I mean, I guess, for example, why they let Rousseau's message play, um, you know, whatever answer we got is the answer. Uh, we, we, you know, so things like that that, you know, looking back don't really jive perfectly, but you know, I think it was a great show, and I think the best part of it has been, you know, my getting enjoy my enjoyment of the podcast really heightened the, the lost experience. And uh, apologies if this voicemail is um, dragging too long, but these are my thoughts. Feel free to trim them as needed. And uh, thank you, ladies, again so much for doing your podcast. I've I really enjoyed it. And that's it. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in, John. It's good to hear from you again, and uh, glad to see that you're making it through the what you call the haze after the finale, where everything was sort of crazy for a few days. It did kind of feel like that. It, to me, in a weird way, it almost felt like, like the day after high school graduation or something, because... Like, what do I do with myself? Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> you know, because... Oh, yeah, I, rewatch the finale. <laughs> it was a Monday. I wasn't working, and... You know, I had had a weird sleep schedule, and I felt like, you know, the end of something really big, obviously, was Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. And nothing was ever going to quite be the same. And everyone's saying goodbye. Yeah. You know, signing each other's yearbooks. Bye. It's been fun. (laughs) That's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of what my lost haze the morning after felt like. Hmm. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Um, But it's impressive that John is already rewatching it up to season three. I know. So maybe he'll have kind of the big view, the overview of everything, you know, ready to comment. <laughs> yeah, we still, Colin and I need to figure out when we're going to start our rewatch. I've been kind of distracted with Buffy on Netflix <laughs> this summer. Yeah, I haven't really started rewatching. I mean, I kind of rewatched throughout last season, but um, John mentioned a couple. I guess Jay and Jack are doing one, and then there's there's one on the Lost blog, and they've already started, because I guess John's voicemail was before June 1st, yeah. and it's uh, June 16th today. Um, is it already? Wow. Yes, it is. But I, I see this on Twitter all the time. That it's lostblog.com, and I think they usually watch an episode together, and they have a chat room so people can talk about it as they watch. So it's, Oh, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it's very much a everybody does it together, not just you watch it by yourself on a schedule thing. So uh, people can check that out if you want. And he also mentioned the wristbands, which are cool. We yep. got some of those as well. Yeah, and Anna got me one. It's very awesome. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They say, um, live together, die alone. And then it says 9-2204 to um, 5-2310. So it's got the dates of Lost mm-hmm. on it, which is pretty cool. And I'm not sure if they're selling them anymore. They I might still have some. You can look at Twitter at, at Lost Wristbands. Um, but I know the people that were doing it, they've been saying they're they're moving from the East Coast to the West Coast this summer so. They're kind of in transit, but they might still have some wristbands available. That's pretty so you cool. you can check it out. They're also raising money for um, um, supporting a pelican, like rescue a pelican from oh, the, yeah. the oil crisis. So uh, that was cool, too. They raised at least enough for two pelicans, and they were on their way to getting a third. I haven't, I haven't noticed if they've gotten to three yet, but it's like $200 per pelican. Hmm. And they were doing, like, if you donate money, then they put you in a random drawing. I think I saw something about some that. Wristbands, they had like black ones and white ones you could win. <laughs> so, you know, sticking with the Lost theme. So, uh, thanks for your voicemail, John. Now, here's an email from Carl. This is the same Carl that sent in his two sentences. The really good ones that you liked. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and this is right after the finale. Um, and he addressed it to me and Wendy after our, our podcast that we did together. Um, and I miss Wendy. I have been thinking a lot about the finale and the show as a whole over six seasons. I really enjoyed the journey of watching the show, and throughout it all, I so desperately wanted answers to Adam and Eve, the whispers and numbers, the smoke monster's real name, and yes, even how the Dharma Initiative managed to produce their own peanut butter and what it might taste like. I did find, as the answer started to roll in, that I was not nearly as happy as I thought I'd be. This was not because I thought the answers were inadequate. On the contrary, I think the writers handled them in brilliant and unexpected ways having coffee at a hospital vending machine, but I think because ultimately these answers were never going to satisfy completely. That's why, thinking more on the finale, I realized that it was a really appropriate way to end the show. For the characters in the end, it was all about relationships and the connections they had made. For Jack, he made the full conversion of a man who relied on science and himself to a man of faith who realized he had to let go and trust. For many of the characters, they realized that they all needed help and could not accomplish anything on their own. For me, that has a strong tie to my beliefs as a Christian, but I think, I also think it applies to the whole Lost experience. I think that as much as people will miss the fine storytelling and acting that Lost provided for so long, we will miss the connections that theorizing provides. I think that's why the characters finding their connection resonated so strongly. Thanks for the work you put into the podcast, and I look forward to whatever comes next in the journey. All that being said, I still do have an appetite for the mystery, and wonder if the wound in Jack's side in the pilot was caused by his showdown with a man in black, and as soon as he closed his eye to end the show, he opened it again to start the whole cycle over, maybe to do it better this time. Ooh. From Carl. That's neat. The wound, though, the wound was on the opposite side in the pilot. I mean, it's sort of a mirror in that way. I mean, it's a great mirror oh, image Oh, I struggled of it. with that so much. <laughs> Well, think of when Kate was stitching him up. She was working on his left side. Yeah. In the pilot. And then Manny Black stabbed him on his right side in the yeah. finale. So opposite sides, but definitely mirroring the wound. And where, well, where was really. his appendix scar again? Well, your appendix <laughs> is in, in... The right side. Yeah, it's in your lower right quadrant okay. down here. And so that Jack was kind of like a stabby wound. But his shoulder one was more like a laceration wound, and that was more up here. Yes. Well, not like you guys can see up here, but I'm touching my shoulder blade. <laughs> so <laughs> so the um, the appendix scar yeah. more parallels the neck wound, where yeah. it was actually bleeding in the sideways, whereas where he got stabbed was about where the appendix scar was, like it had already healed up. Yeah, so I, I was kind of wondering, like, was the stabbing the appendix scar that he I was wondering that seen? too. Yeah. I don't know time-wise how that works out, because why did, why would one just keep bleeding and bleeding and bleeding? Unless that was just uh, doing that because he was refusing to acknowledge his real life. Like when yeah, maybe. he came out of surgery with Locke and he still hadn't remembered anything really, and then he's standing at the foot of Locke's bed and he gets that flash and he fights it off. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to remember this. I don't want to think this is real. That's such a jack thing to do. I know! <laughs> <laughs> like, Definitely. that is really such a jack thing to do. And I have to say, his, um, Carl's email overall really did kind of go with a lot of the thoughts that I was having. You know, mm -hmm. like, I, I really did want all that stuff. But once I really kind of sat back and thought about it and took a few days before re-watching it, I think that I liked it the second time better because of, you know, just thinking about the character story rather than all the mysteries. Yeah, yeah. And I think it'd be pretty easy to make Dharma peanut butter because all you really need to do is grind up peanuts enough. You don't actually need other stuff. <laughs> okay. I should really try making my own peanut butter sometime. You should do that. I bet it would taste great. 
Alright, blog comment from DJ Chow. Well, well, the end of the show, and they still didn't explain what was the deal with Jacob's Cabin. What's up with that? <laughs> Thank you, DJ Chow. <laughs> For me, they did a decent job wrapping up the show. Did it please the inner geek in me? No. Here's the thing, I know a lot of people, especially the sci-fi people out there, are going to comment about that uh, for the last show, it didn't give answers to a lot of the mysteries. The last show was pretty much all about wrapping up things like um, the character stories. It is a character-driven show where the mysteries were just icing on the cake. For The Flash Sideways, either you loved it or you hated it. It had nothing to do with the on-island drama, or the... Yeah, the on-island drama, and if it wasn't included, wouldn't have changed anything. It was mainly there as a treat to the fans, essentially. It was the only way to get all the characters, both past and present, together. The scene in the church at the end was like literally a reunion tribute to the fans of the show who stayed with it from beginning to end, although I was disappointed that Michael and Walt weren't there. I know using the producer's logic of Michael is trapped on the island because he can't move on because of the things he did, but I thought he'd redeemed himself with a freighter bomb. I mean, Saeed killed tons of people, and somehow he redeemed himself, I guess. The thing is, they could have not shown the Flash sideways and used all the time to give us all the answers to the mysteries we wanted, but then again, it would be like Season 2 and 3, where we would see the same characters having to deal with drama on the island all season long. You have to admit, the Flash sideways was a way to pull people in because people were interested in seeing how the lives of these people were different. Yes, I would have liked to have more answers, probably, but I did think they did an awesome job in finishing the series. Near the end of the flash sideways, I kept thinking, why the heck would they want to return to the other reality where it's so bad for them? The end shot of Jack in the same place as he started in the pilot episode was awesome, and I vow that there will be no show that has a better ending than that. Seeing the plane leave above and the closing eye was awesome. This is probably the money shot the creators of the show knew from the very beginning that what they wanted to end with, and they weren't lying when they said that you would see Vincent in the last scene of the show. Although it would have been great to see Vincent in the church in the Flash Sideways. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> Maybe Hurley, before he died, made Vincent protector of the island. Aww. <laughs> Inside the Cave of Wonder, it seemed it was built with the tunnels and the cork in the center that was pulled out was made and not a rock. You can see up close there are carvings on the stone cork. I'm guessing the dead skeletons were other people in the past who were greedy and tried to harness the light for themselves. I feel real bad for the creators of the show in that, yes, they will be forever known as the creators of one of the most awesome shows that will now be used as the cult classic in TV history, but anything they do from now on, people will expect it to be the next Lost from them. I agree. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Because seriously, how can you top Lost? But pretty much like James Cameron after Avatar, the creators of Lost have a free ticket to work on anything they want, and I'm sure the networks would give them a blank check to create something for them. If I was NBC... I would be doing all they can to bring those guys over to create anything. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was hoping they would work on the Stephen King Dark Tower series, which is very similar to Lost, uh, because I don't think Ron Howard is going to do it justice. I hope you girls keep doing a podcast because you are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully there will be another show you can tag team on. If you need ideas for future shows, I'm thinking you should make a list of all the mysteries and events of Lost that they didn't get an answer for and give your final thoughts from your perspective on what you think the answer should be. Like, what was the deal with Jacob's cabin? <laughs> he brings that up again. And actually, I still have that email from Matt that we should probably read after this that has a bunch of points about Jacob's cabin. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll finish off DJ Chow's here. He has uh, a couple lists. Top moments of why the episode rocked and no other show can beat an ending like what they did. Number one, Hurley was made protector of the island, and he made Ben his new Richard. Number two, the death of Smokey was done not cheaply, and actually made sense, and was an awesome fist fight with Smokey and Jack. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. 
Number three, money shot of Jack at the end with Vincent seeing the plane leave and the eye closing. Top mysteries not answered but hopefully will be by the DVD. Number one, what was the deal with Jacob's cabin and the ash? Thank you. That's three <laughs> mentions of Jacob's cabin, which we wonder about too. Two, what was the deal with Walt? Was he just special like Curly and Miles and born that way? Three, did the purge totally wipe out Dharma or only Dharma on the island? And who ordered the purge? Widmore, Miss Hawking, Jacob, Smokey? Good list of questions, and I, yeah. I do think that they, I mean, there's potential for some of those to be answered on the DVD, and that is great. I would love for the DVD on the some of the inside packaging to have a big picture of Jacob's cabin. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be That'd awesome? That'd be really nice. Okay, here's the email that Matt from Keys to Lost sent us a few weeks ago. Jacob's cabin. I've been pondering some things about that place that is the namesake of your podcast. Things like, was that Jacob in there, and why ask for help? How does the cabin move? After season six, I think I can draw some good conclusions, though not complete ones, of course. One, yes, it was indeed Jacob in the cabin that asked John Locke for help. The ash placement is to protect Jacob, and placed there by the others, perhaps thinking that they were helping him in doing so. He asks for John Locke's help not to get out of the cabin, but rather to help him by becoming the principal candidate. Help me. Unspoken, I can't protect the island forever. You are one of my candidates to protect the island's heart. Hmm, I like that. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually saw that scene again today. On I was watching the finale of Losties with Jed and Kara, and someone had sent in some of their favorite scenes, and that was one of them. So I just watched that scene today, mm-hmm. and I thought, as I was watching, yeah, that could be Jacob. It's kind of weird, and I know that they got the prop master to sit in, so that's kind of weird, but I think it was intended to be Jacob, and that he would be the one asking for help. Mm-hmm. And... It can't be the smoke monster, because if he was trapped in there by the ash, then how could he be out roaming around the island? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. Also, like, what sort of ash is this? I mean, I know Mm -hmm. Alana tried to put Jacob's ashes into the bag. Like, Mm -hmm. what other ashes are they? (laughs) I don't know, but there's enough to put around an entire cabin, and we saw Bram use them at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, we know it's not the ashes of the Dharma Initiative, because they're in the big pit. Yeah, and why does it even keep Smokey out? We still don't know that. How does it work? We don't know. Okay. Maybe it's ashes from the people at at Smokey's old camp once upon a time. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. From uh, when Mother got mad and burned the village down? Uh-huh. Ooh. Two. The cabin doesn't really move, per se. It, like the island's heart, can only be found, one, when someone is seeking it, and two, if they are worthy to find it. I think I agree with that. I think that might even go for the lighthouse, too. Mm-hmm. You know, why haven't we seen this before? Well, we weren't looking for it. Three. The three-year period between the time slightly before Ben turned the wheel and our evacuated Losties return is sufficient enough time for Jacob to not have been there for a long time, as was indicated by Ilana. Well, it depends on whose perception of time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to someone else, like, if, if I hadn't seen, you know, my... My brother in three years would be like, oh, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. But if you're Jacob and you're like 2,000 years old, three years is like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, and I think that this was Alana saying nobody's lived here for a long time. Yeah. So to her, sure. To all the people with her, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a long time. And it just looks abandoned. Yeah, it it did. Although not that it really looked lived in (laughs) when Locke went there. It looked lived in. They had a painting. Oh, yeah, and they had those creepy jars full of like weird colored jelly stuff in the window. So thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, 
The ash circle must have been broken sometime between John Locke's first and second visit, thus allowing for Man in Black posing as Christian to then pose as Jacob's spokesperson to Locke, telling him to move the island, perhaps even by Ben or Locke during that first visit. That is one question that still puzzles me. Why ask John to move the island? Perhaps he is still under the impression that if he can get John or that if he can get the wheel turned and be present during that action, he can leave. Yeah, maybe. Oh. I hadn't thought about that before. I think that sounds really good. He was down there when Locke turned it, but he uh -huh. didn't actually walk into the wheel, like walk into the light. Mm -mm. So maybe he was counting on proximity, or he just wanted to get Locke off the island, or maybe he thought that. It could be a way to destroy the island. I mean, maybe Locke... Or maybe he just knew that if he got Locke off the island, maybe he could somehow know a little bit of the future. He knew that Locke would die off-island. Yeah, or just, hey, that's one more candidate I don't have to deal with. Although yeah. it's kind of a lot to get Locke to turn the wheel. I don't know. I wonder... But Ben turned the wheel first, so I wonder if... If he really meant for Ben to do it, or if things just worked out that way, and that sort of threw his plans off. Yeah, I don't for a know. little while. I don't know. Hard to say. But thank you, Matt, for your email. That is wonderful. Matt is a very, very good theorizer. Okay, let's um, hear another voicemail. We have one from Scotty Six. Anna, Denise, Scotty Six here in New Jersey. Well, it's over. Very depressing. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have already talked a lot about podcasts last night and this morning, and I know I've, I've, I've showed up on a couple of them. Um, but I think taking a step back from theories about Desmond and electromagnetism and heaven and the afterlife and all that, I'm trying to think a lot this morning about, um, you know, all the answers we didn't get and, and trying to put that in perspective. And I think, you know, they've been hitting us over the head for years with the stories about characters. And I think what the final message was, and I think Christian even said it, is that everything that happened to them was real. And everything that happened on the island was real. And there were two brothers who were born 2,000 years ago or however long ago. And on this place where there was something that was already there, you know, something built by someone else, a system with a plug and a light and a, you know, a pit and a volcano maybe and water and all this stuff. And, and they had their own issues with it. And one of them decided to try to build a donkey wheel that did something when you turned it. And then these other people came. And then the army came. Then a nuclear bomb came. And then the wheel got turned and there was all these things going on and that all really happened. And the story we were watching was 20 people or 40 people um, who as part of that story of, you know, this, these two guys who, who were on the island were brought to the island by one of them to try to keep the other one there and to try to stop the island from getting destroyed. And we were following their story and their story was really important to them. And maybe how, another guy that was on the island named Ben Linus did this and this and this and what he did off the island and another guy named Charles Woodmore was a part of that story, but that wasn't the story we were watching. The story we were watching was about Jack Shepard and then secondarily about Kate Austin and James Ford and Saeed Jarrah. And as we followed all these stories, they lived this incredibly important moment of their lives, the most important moment of their lives, as Christian says, together and what they could do together and through this, we're able either religiously, by faith, metaphysically, science-wise, able to create a place for themselves after their lives were over that they could come back together and be at peace with each other and get to be, <clears throat> excuse me, be with each other again forever before they take the next step, whatever that next step is. And I think that was really beautiful. And I think 
if you weren't, I think this is why I'm becoming more and more happy with how the show ended. I'm sorry, I'm going very long. Uh, how the show ended was that if you aren't going to answer all the questions in a sort of science fiction story or a mystery story, the only way to end it and be okay with not answering those questions is to take it to a place where those answers don't matter. Um, and I think that's what they did last night. And I think um, we're all very happy about that. I did see a tweet that was my, probably my favorite. And it says, what's the last lesson of loss? The dogs are awesome. Uh, and I definitely, I think a lot of people, Vincent laying down next to Jack was my uh, my favorite moment and my definitely most teared up moment. So um, love the podcast. Hope it keeps going. You guys kept going after they, they burned down the cabin. So I don't see why we can't keep going now the loss is gone. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Thanks, Scotty. Um, I really liked your point about the story that we watched being mostly, you know, the part about the most important important part of their lives rather than watching the whole story of the island. Mm -hmm. Because that does kind of put things more into perspective. And I guess I hadn't quite thought of it in those terms, but that really, you know, we watched the things that was that were happening to them as they were happening rather than just watching here's a history right. of the island. Right. That's a good way to look at it. I liked what he was saying. It, it made me think a little bit more when he was saying, well, it started out as two brothers, mm-hmm. and then here's like 20 people or 40 people, and I kind of thought, well, it kind of, it kind of, um, the numbers went up, and they went back down at the end. Like, you start out with two people, and then you kind of add more people in the mix. You could say Ben and Widmore and all these other people, so the numbers grow, and the peak is maybe, you know, they had 48 survivors of the plane crash originally, mm-hmm. and... And then they kind of trim down the numbers again. You've got six candidates left, six that get off the island, six, I think about six that come back, and then it's down to two at the very end, Jack versus Locke. So I kind of like that symmetry yeah. of the numbers like going up and then back down. And it was Jack in the end that was one of those two people. Yeah. And it was really Jack, not like Jack being like Locke, possessed by somebody else, yeah. but really, truly Jack. Um, and when he was talking about the donkey wheel, it just made me wonder... Do we, is there an actual term for that kind of thing? Because <laughs> we're just like, oh, donkey wheel. But sometimes I say that to people who aren't as into loss, and I'm like, do they know what I mean? <laughs> do they know what a donkey wheel is? Is that I don't really know. what it's I called? Mean, it kind of looked like a captain's wheel from a pirate ship. But there's also those things you can, like, chain donkeys and horses yeah. to them, and they'll pull them? Yeah. What are those called? I don't know. I When I went to Mexico in high school, we went to a sugarcane plantation and they had a thing like that, but it only had two really big long posts because they hooked up like huge oxen to it. I mean, like the things were bigger than your bed. They were so big, but there was only two of them and they did attach them to that and they went around and ground up the sugarcane. I don't know. Oxen wheel? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the really big version of the donkey wheel. (laughs) That's a question I wish they had answered and lost. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Scotty, for calling in. It's always great to hear from you. And we hope your podcast keeps going as well. Because yeah, definitely. Because it's a fun little six-minute thing to listen to and uh, ask questions, like get point by point. Here's six really good, interesting things to think about, usually about loss so far. But hey, there's room to expand into the rest of the world now. Yeah. You can send Scotty your favorite six flavors of ice cream or whatever you want. Oh, I don't even know if I like six flavors. Oh, enough. come on. Well, no, I have my, you know, I really, I like Neapolitan, which is kind of a cheater one. but That's like three right there. <laughs> I know. And I like French Silk, because it tastes kind of like coffee. Ooh. And I like Fruit Sherbet, just kind mm. of in general. What about you? 
I don't really like any of those that you named. I like Moose Tracks and... What's Moose Tracks? It has little peanut butter cups in it oh. and ribbons of chocolate. Well, that sounds unhealthy. It's great. This has nothing to do with Lost, but I'm sure everyone likes to hear us talk about ice cream. Um, Kroger brand, Private Selection, they have this thing called Black Raspberry Chocolate Chunk. It's amazing. Mm. It's purple and it has big chunks of chocolate in it. That sounds so good. Oh, good. And so, okay, so that, and Moose Tracks, and Mint Chocolate Chip, and... Oh! Daiquiri Ice from Baskin Robbins is the best ice cream in the history of the universe. End of story. Okay. Next email. This... <laughs> but we don't have Baskin Robbins around here anymore. <laughs> this is from Seth, and it's titled, Great Finale Up Until the End. Uh-oh. The ending pretty much ruined the whole season for me. The more I think about it, the less sense it makes. How are the Lossies supposed to have created this faux pre-afterlife reality? Evidently, Jughead was entirely unimportant and not the cause of the sideways timeline. So if the Losties did create this reality, then my main question is why create one where none of them remembered their former lives? I think that's a good question, too. Wouldn't it be far easier to meet up and move on together if they all retained their memories? When you think about it, none of them would have remembered anything if Charlie had not tried to swallow cocaine on the airplane, have a near-death experience, <laughs> which later caused him to give Desmond a near-death experience, which set him on a course remembering everything. That all just seems improbable, ridiculous, and contrived to me. Well, well I would stop right there and say that people were running into each other anyway. Yeah. Something was probably bound to happen. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like course correction. If it's meant to be, it'll find a way to happen. And what about, like, Sun and Jin? Did they meet Desmond or Charlie or any of those people? They went to the restaurant. They got shot. Desmond didn't have anything to do with any of that, no. did he? And then they had their ultrasound flash moment. Mm -hmm. So I think some people would have remembered on their own. And then... And Hurley, Yeah, it just too. might have Desmond taken was watching, a lot longer. But Desmond... Well, no, he did have that restaurant conversation with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's see what else Seth says. And then we've got the problem of David. If enlightened Locke's comment is to be believed, then evidently David was not a real person, just a figment of Jack's imagination. So who else in the sideways world was real and who was fake? Desmond's comment about Ana Lucia not being ready implies that she was real, as was Ben, obviously. On the other hand, if David's fake, who else could be fake? They can't all be real either, as there are presumably billions of people inhabiting the sideways world. Or are we to believe that the Losties created the afterlife for every human who has ever lived or died? Any way you want to look at it, explaining the sideways world slash afterlife as something created by the Losties raises questions which don't hold up to close inspection. It seems to me like a silly contrived ending designed to be emotional, but not emotionally, but not intellectually satisfying. In my mind, Loss totally jumped the shark slash nuked the fridge in the end. <laughs> I would have been much more satisfied if we had never been given a sideways universe, and the show simply ended with Jack dying alone in the jungle, knowing that he had saved his friends. This kind of goes with what we were talking about in the last um, podcast that we did when, you know, we were talking about how they could have created the sideways, and I said that, you know, the Losties were the only, like, real people in the sideways, and everyone else was kind of more of an apparition. But we still got the impression that other people would be eventually ready to move on like Miss Hawking, who knew where she was and what she was doing there, but didn't want to move on yet because she didn't want Daniel Faraday, her son, to wake up and know that he was supposed to move on at some point. It seems like, in even saying that Ana Lucia wasn't ready yet, they're going to move on at some point. Yeah. But are they going to move on from this reality, or when they're ready, are they going to have a different experience of it? Because I think with time being so flexible there, that's the weird part. It's sort of like everyone experienced it in their own mind in a way 
because there's no way that linear time could have played out that way. Right. It wouldn't, like, there's no, like, laws of physics in the universe and laws of nature there to hold things to a certain standard. Everyone's seeing what they're seeing and experiencing what they're experiencing, and there's no way to make it all match up when one person experiences a week and then goes to the concert, and another person experiences a day and then shows up at the same concert yeah. after the flight. There's no way to explain that, except that they just see and perceive whatever it is that they need to see and understand in, in their part of the sideways. Yeah. I think Seth has some very valid points in the email. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate his question, did the losties create this for everyone who's ever lived or died? No, I and, don't think so. Yeah, my understanding is they create it for themselves, but then everybody else would kind of create their own at whatever point they were ready to. But they also exist there in the same place, like um, Daniel and Charlotte and Ana Lucia and the people who aren't ready to go on yet. They exist in the same place as everybody else. I don't think that everyone Lossie's leaving isn't going to wipe out that and right. they're not going to start over. But I think that, and you know, they are there because the Losties imagine them being there. But, you know, like all the other, like, red shirts in the Flash Sideways are just... You know, they're just there because they need filler, not there because of the actual person. So, like, David? Well, yeah, How would you say, how would you count David? Apparition. I mean, like, he's something that Jack created subconsciously because he needed to work through those problems. Okay, so then Seth is asking, who else could be fake? Is there anybody else who would be fake? Because we think all these other people, if they have awakenings, then they're they're real and they matter. Well, they kind of matter whether they've woken up yet or not because they have the potential to wake up. But did David ever have the potential? No, because he wasn't real. So who else could not be real? David can't be real because he never existed in real life. Right. But could there be other people in the Flash Sideways? Why didn't everybody imagine somebody else? Or... Zombie Aaron, I don't think, could, you know, wake up and I do be real. Him. Yeah. Because, you know, he's he was born in Heaven Treehouse afterlife sideways mm. thing, you know? Hmm. So, like, you know, maybe maybe Sun and Jin are never going to actually have that version of G.E.ON. Right. Right. You know, that makes sense. And since, since Zombie Aaron was born in that, he can't really ever move on because the, the version of him that's in that universe is not one that ever, you know, experienced anything more than, like, a few hours, hmm. I guess. And, yeah. you know, everyone else who basically we don't know, is just there to be filler, to, you know, help them fill out the ver- the vision of a full life and stuff. But if you never interact with them, you just they're just faces in the background. But then from their perspective, that's really sad. Cause but they're they not exist. real people. But they kind of are, because no. what, if, what if Desmond just hadn't been introduced to Daniel Faraday? Would that mean Daniel Faraday didn't matter to anyone? No. Oh, he's a guy on the stage playing a piano. What if nobody had actually met him? But they they had known him, so that's why they could envision him and, like, speak with him, because they had known him before, you know? Okay, but Jack had never known David, so he just invented David. He he didn't know that David wasn't real. It was something that his brain created to get those problems worked out. It was a means to an end, not a person, you know? So we assume everyone else is real. No, we just don't care about them because they're not significant to our I story. don't assume that everyone else is real. I assume that they're they're red shirt wearing log carrying 
but they had their own life. I mean, Extras. What if, what if it was me and you, who happened to be on flight 815, but we were red shirts, we got killed off in some random attack by the others, and then we show up in the sideways, we see all these people running around and tossing cars into rivers and stuff like that, and we're like, oh, that's interesting, when do we get our moment to move I on? don't, see, I don't think that we would be in the sideways, though. Well, who gets because, to go to sideways? Because we wouldn't have been important to the people that created it. So they only created it for themselves. Right. Then why is Eloise there, and why does she seem to remember everything for anyone? Because she was important to their story, because she helped Desmond get back to the island. But the sideways isn't going to just disappear after they leave? No, the sideways... I think once the people that are real to them move on, then I think it's gone. So you think, like, Eloise, Faraday, and Sideways, they just stopped existing? They continued in their Sideways, but once they decided to move on, then no more Sideways. That's how I see it. So once they followed Christian through the door, all the Sideways that we saw, you think, ceased to exist? Except for the the little one that, like, Faraday and Eloise were still Is it like a spinoff Sideways? Kind of. (laughs) But then do they start over, or they start at the same point? I think they just pick up where they left off. You and know, everybody around them keeps existing too? The fake and visions of them keep existing to fill out the reality that they're I living. Don't know. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I wish I could draw a picture to understand more, but I can't draw. <laughs> so I think I see where you're going. I don't know. I think I, I'm kind of on Seth's side with this that it's a little bit contrived, and it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to even describe what we're trying to say. Yeah. It's so hard to say it. And I'd, I think that it wouldn't make sense for just the Losties to be the only ones on Earth who are able to create a sideways. I would think it'd be more fair if everybody could, because, I mean, this is such a show that... No, that I, I think... Speaks to, tries to speak to everyone. I think everyone has the potential to create their sideways. It just wouldn't necessarily be the same sideways that the Losties went to. Okay. So there would be multiple sideways out there simultaneously. Yeah. Like, we could exist in multiple sideways simultaneously, and some were main characters, and some were background characters. Right. Is what you're saying. Right. Okay. So why... And in some, so I'm still we saying... would just be faces in the crowd. You know, like, yes. at a sporting event, right. the right. audience, are they're just faces in a crowd. We don't know those people. So I still don't get why there's, like, <laughs> primary Losties and secondary sideways people like Eloise. Like, why... Some people are, like, first tier, moving on now. Some people are, like, second tier. Eloise We're is different, behind. though, because she knows what it is and isn't leaving yet. So maybe the consciousness of it keeps it going. Somebody always has to be conscious of where they are. Yeah, quite and so possibly. It, like propels it into the future. And people just keep coming through and when they realize they move on, but somebody stays behind to help other I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's confusing. My <laughs> vision of it's clear in my head. <laughs> How about an email from Richard? <laughs> Hi Anna and Denise. I've enjoyed your podcast over the years. Here's my take on the end. The end of Lost was when Jack closed his eye on the island and died. He saved the world. I just heard Hurley read the last eight lines of the real script on his podcast, and it says, The End, after Jack closes his eye. Think of the afterlife slash LA space X timeline sequence as a bonus track on the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's album. It is not part of the album, in this case TV series. It is a view into the afterlife, perhaps many years after Jack died, that we ordinarily would never see. 
They included it as a bonus track to show Hurley smiling and his friend Charlie, Juliet and Sawyer kissing once again, Charlie getting to see Claire after sacrificing himself to save her, etc. I absolutely enjoyed seeing what happened to everyone in the afterlife when they had their reunion, just as I hope I will have one. The LAX timeline was never real. The island, the sunk island was not real. The season opening flight into LAX was not real. Jack's son David was not real. Son and Locke arriving at the hospital at the same time when their accidents happened five days apart was not real. Real world rules did not apply in the LAX timeline. In the LAX timeline, it seems that everyone had issues that they had to work out before they would be ready to have their reunion. Many had to learn to let go. Anna Lucia was not ready to come with them when Hurley asked, according to Desmond. Jack had a son to work out his father issues from the opposite perspective. Kate had to tell everyone she was innocent. Sawyer was a cop instead of being a con man. Once everyone's issues were worked out and everyone let go, they had their reunion. Then they were ready. I think they were waiting for Jack because he was the last to let go in the LAX timeline, not because they were waiting for him to die on the island. Some things were bleeding through to the LAX timeline from real life on the island, like Jack's wound and the flight into LAX. Desmond was a special case because it seems that he knew about the reunion while he was on the island, and therefore he was not afraid. Lost cut a wide path with its sword over these last six years, leaving many unanswered questions and half-truths in its wake. But in the end, it was all about the people we came to care about, and not about smoke monsters. Fantastic. Richard from Maryland. What do you think? So, all of this that he wrote, that wasn't what Hurley had read. That that was, right, he was, that was saying, Richard's interpretation of stuff. Yes. yes okay. Yes. And, I mean, I, I would say I agree with Richard's interpretation of um, why some things were bleeding through. Um, I think just, like we were saying earlier, because they needed to. Because Jack needed to kind of have this weird, okay, why is my neck bleeding experience so that he would know there's something else yeah. happening here. There's something bigger. And it's not because they were waiting for Jack to die because time doesn't matter in the sideways. Right. So it wouldn't matter when anybody died. They could all die, you know, thousands of years apart if Hurley lived a long time on the island and they'd all show up in the sideways at the same time somehow. Mm-hmm. So it's good that that time doesn't really affect things there. I appreciate any reference to the Beatles. Although <laughs> yes. I probably wouldn't have put it on Sgt. Pepper. I would have put it on the top of their last performance on the Apple Building. Because at the end of one of the songs, John Lennon says, Thanks, I hope we passed the audition. But that was the last time they ever performed together. So, you know, it's kind of like the Beatles audition for the world. And they'd already been all, like, world famous for ages and stuff. Oh, So, it was awesome. <laughs> John Lennon, totally awesome. Cool. Anyways. <laughs> okay, one blog comment and then we'll have a couple more voicemails. Uh, Bob in Montreal. Well, it's over. Deep sigh. (sighs) The only thing I managed to predict about the finale, and I'm darn proud of it, was Vincent finding Desmond down the well. When I saw that little paw print, I was gleeful and a little smug. The finale was two and a half hours of some of the finest television I've seen, even though the story as a whole didn't go where I wanted it to. I would have preferred a more science fiction approach with a light spiritual frosting, (laughs) but it was clear early on in the season that the show wasn't going that way. Still, a fantastic show that I will miss greatly. I'll be starting a rewatch soon, not only to see the show again through season six eyes, but to avoid feeling completely empty and despondent now that it's over. Thanks for all your work on the podcast. I've only started commenting recently, but I've been listening for a long time. See you in another life, sisters. And that's from Bob. Thank you, Bob in Montreal. That's really great. Um, And it certainly is something that we will miss a lot and have to start rewatching, but... uh, other things to watch, I guess. Yeah, it's nice having just a little bit of a break away from it so that when we do start our 
rewatch later, you know, we can kind of have that emotional time to move on a little bit before Mm -hmm. restarting. Yes. Yes, I need to work on the X-Files again. (laughs) But that's besides the point. Okay, we have a few voicemails left. We have three from Alan. We're just going to play one, and we're going to save the others um, for our next episode, our continuing into the future feedback episode next week, because we have about 15 minutes worth of Alan, (laughs) potentially. So we'll just play one voicemail here. So here we go. Hello, Anna and Denise. This is Alan from Schaumburg calling in after the final episode of Lost, the end. It is Tuesday evening. been listening to many a podcast over the past couple days. Still in a bit of a stupor. Still a bit of an emotional wreck after what turned out to be the most emotional episode of Lost that I can recall. Um, It's like seeing a a great friend go for the final time. And while the mythos aspect of the show, while many of those questions remain unanswered and will be left for interpretation for the Lost community, I've made peace with that, and I made peace with that really as the show was was um, being broadcast and even before the show was being broadcast. I think everyone in the Lost community was preparing themselves for the inevitability of unanswered questions, and that preparation put us in a good frame of mind just to enjoy what we'd experienced on a visceral level, on a gut level, and on an emotional level. And emotionally, I think the writers and the actors delivered on all counts. And to be able to elicit such an emotional reaction from viewers in a day and age where we become more and more jaded and cynical by what we see on television and on the news and in the entertainment world, in the reality television world, that's that's a really strong statement for this program, Lost, that it's able to do that. And I think that's the greatest testament to the greatness of the show. I plan on calling in as long as you ladies continue your podcast. And for now, I'd just like you discuss to discuss one point of the episode that kind of struck me a little odd. I I found the character realizations and character connections, Sawyer, Juliet, Jin's son, Claire, Charlie, Kate, Jack, with the empty coffin, to be really strong points, real highlights of the show, and I think they elicited the greatest emotional reaction on my part. I definitely got dusty in my living room. However, the Saeed Shannon connection left me a little wanting. I had always been under the impression that Saeed, or the level of Saeed's life was Nadia. He had had searched for her for eight years. It was really a, a, a wonderful love story 
initially, one of the, the better ones, right up there with uh, Desmond and Penny, in my opinion. And to come to the end of the show and be presented with Shannon as the connection for Saeed to the island and to his true self and his true destiny rang rather hollow to me. As I was discussing it with my sister, we kind of came to the conclusion that Saeed's connection to the island had to be Shannon, and that's why, you know, she was presented as such. Uh, but I would like to hear what you ladies think about Shannon being the connection for Saeed to the island, if that rang a bit hollow to you or you found it acceptable. I'll be checking in with you from time to time, ladies. Always enjoy the show. All great things come to an end. All good things come to an end, but especially all great things. And we'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Thanks, Alan. It's always really great to hear from you. I remember um, I called into Lost Mythos right after the finale, and, and you had called in too, and you had some really awesome stuff to say then. Cool. So, Alan, always awesome. Um, but I liked how you said that it was it was really great that it could still showcase that emotion in such a cynical era or such a yeah. cynical world because I I tend to be a pretty cynical person and I kind of thought the same way. And whenever you're talking about Saeed and Shannon, I can't help but go back to the cynical a little bit and think, oh, well, that was just their way to bring Shannon back to say goodbye mm -hmm. to her or, you know, maybe they did that because Nadia wasn't available or something. So hmm. even though I totally get what you're saying in a cynical era, I can't help but be cynical sometimes. And um, I definitely agree that that part was a bit more hollow than others because, you know, they hadn't been, they weren't like a long established, like multi-season pairing. You know, it was just kind mm -hmm. of like, here's Saeed and Shannon together for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, he said something about talking with his sister about it and that they were basically concluding that um, it was a connection through the island that, that drew them together, and that um, just reminded me of, of a discussion we were having earlier about the island being a character. Uh -huh. And so I thought, well, in in this sense, in all the connections that were made, the island is sort of an invisible character in between all these people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I guess, one way to look at it. Uh, and I think uh, Alan also pointed out very rightly that we were sort of preparing ourselves for not receiving... So many answers from the finale. Right. So, you know, we were, I guess in that way, we were also ready for the emotional side of it, too. Because if you're not going to get answers, what are you going to get? You're going to yeah. get the character stuff. You're going to get the emotional stuff, the, the sort of memories that you want to take with you from the show, which we saw all the flashbacks and we saw all these really good character moments. Yeah. And, and I, people we loved seeing them together, so. I don't think it would have had nearly the same impact if that was like, if that stuff happened in the beginning of season six versus the very end. Right. It wouldn't have had the same emotional resonance at all. No, not at all. Especially knowing that even more people die like Sun and Jin. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Thank you, Alan. We will play your other voicemails in our upcoming show in about a week. And we thank you for those as well. Um, other blog comments from Miss Wright. She um, loves the last 15, min 15 minutes of the end. She says she's been re-watching it. This is right after the finale. She's been re-watching it for days. Um... I love it. I think that the unity of all the main Losties at the end is beautiful. I also liked how some of them were not there in the church, like Michael, Analysia, and Ben. It showed a balance that I feel mirrors real life well. I'm excited to go back and rewatch all of Lost to see the mirror images in season six to the rest of the show. 
I also feel that the mysteries of the island are a moot point now, and I don't care too much about them in hindsight to the finale's ending. It would be nice to know some of the answers, but in the overall picture they are much less important. It's just like when you are mad at a loved one for some petty argument you get in one day, and the next day when they are in a car accident in the hospital it doesn't matter that you were mad the day before, it doesn't matter anymore when their life is in the balance. Another thing is that we want answers, but we're not happy when we get them. I think it's better to leave it up to our imaginations. It is more fun that way, and we have more to talk about for years to come. I am so excited that I got to be even a small part of this amazing show through the Lost community. Thank you for being there to be the first Lost podcast I listened to. Wow. I didn't know that before. I didn't either. That's really cool. And I had someone else who emailed the other day and said that we were the first podcast he listened to because he saw our podcast name on a list on Lostpedia. Oh, wow. He picked it. I'm like, wow. That's awesome. I can't believe it. I just thought that other people would, like, hear about us on other podcasts or something. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really cool. Uh, Dave in Detroit. And so begins the permanent hiatus. I have to quote Dr. Seuss here. Don't be sad it's over. Be happy it happened. I definitely agree. Um, And then Timmy Fetch Me My Tools wrote on the blog again. Okay, so the Flash Sideways was an elaborate afterlife holding pattern until they all understood and could move on. I realized that they said there would be many unanswered questions, but I didn't think there would be so many. What was that strange plug thing? It had writings on it, but I couldn't quite make them out. They didn't immediately jump out as hieroglyphics. I suppose I'll have to wait for the spin-off series Dharma and the comic book of the Roman-Egyptian time period story. (laughs) Yeah. We still don't know much about that plug, but... Was it hieroglyphs on it, or just markings? There was of some lines? sort of markings, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily think of them as hieroglyphs. But I don't speak hieroglyphs, so <laughs> I don't speak Klingon. So I guess we're even. For real? I really thought you would have. I only know one word. What's that? <laughs> Kapla. And what does that mean? Success. <laughs> it's like you you do like a fist pump. Kapla. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Kelly wrote on the blog, Hello, Anna and Denise. I was really moved by the end. Tissues were in short supply after it was all over. Thank goodness for Jimmy Kimmel to ground us all. On the Cutting Edge podcast, one of the guys called this finale a dial a cry, which was very appropriate. Hey, I even cried when Saeed and Shannon had their moment. Listening to the two of you hash out the end from the sacred and secular point of view was quite refreshing and thought-provoking. I think a lot of podcasters try to step around the elephant in the room in order to be politically correct, but you two stepped right in there and were open about it all. Thank you for that. I wanted to thank you for your podcast and your wonderful contribution to this great journey of Lost. It's doubtful that another show will inspire such dialogue and camaraderie for a long time. All the best to you both from Kelly from California. Thanks, Kelly. I like the word camaraderie. Yeah. That's cool. We have camaraderie <laughs> with Lost fans. All the Lost fans, we share camaraderie. So other people have been s- sidestepping around? I don't know. I mean, I've heard a, li- a little bit of comments on, like, the religious aspect of it. Um, but honestly, I have about 40 podcasts on the LPN yeah. that I haven't listened to yet. I have so I'm many on my iPod. Just going very slowly, spacing them out, maybe mm-hmm. one or two a day. So I don't know what everybody said yet, but I do, that's one thing I'm trying to do for the finale is listen to every single podcast out there, their take on the finale, because there's no way I could do that during the season. Yeah, I'm working on that, but it's pretty slow going since I only have really one day a week I can listen to podcasts at work now, because I can't really listen to headphones at the hospital. Yeah, they might not like that. (laughs) Not really. Your patients might not be doing so well, and we don't (laughs) want that. No. (laughs) Okay, and the last blog comment here from Timmy Fetch Me My Tools again. 
Hi, Anna and Denise. I have just listened to the latest podcast. I thought it was good rather than great. The finale, I mean. Your podcast is always <laughs> great. To me, it was more about the mystery and mythology of the island rather than the characters themselves. Maybe that's why I'm so dissatisfied with the quasi-religious happy ending. I hear the comment that it was all about the characters. Well, they didn't treat a lot of those beloved characters particularly well, did they? Rousseau and Alex? Libby? They didn't deserve what they got, and perhaps those who did, mass murderers such as Ben, didn't get what they deserved. In fact, they received redemption. But in life, you know, there's not always happy endings, and in life, bad things happen. True, and I think, I mean, with redemption, people don't always deserve redemption, but that's kind of the point. Is like, you, you get redemption, it's like a gift, and not something that you really earn. I, I don't know. <laughs> not something you can buy at Target. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's your big please. box of redemption. Super size redemption. <laughs> <laughs> With regard to my biggest gripe, the lack of mythology resolution, you could always give the midichlorian defense. That is, you don't want to know some. You know what midichlorians are, Denise? No, I don't. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought so. I saw the look on your face. <laughs> it's a Star Wars reference. Okay. Because in the first three movies, they went back and they tried to explain the Force. You know, instead of being like, oh, it's this mystical, you draw mm -hmm. energy from everything. It's midichlorians, and if you have a certain level of midichlorians, like, you can use the force. Okay. So that's why people say, like, don't go into too much detail, or it's, like, the whole midichlorian thing, where it's, like, we really didn't need to know about midichlorians. I've never heard that word before. Yeah, okay. You can go <laughs> home and talk to your husband about midichlorians. <laughs> the more you know. Um, okay, that is, you don't want to know some answers because the explanation is fairly mundane or disappointing, numbers, whispers, etc., Again, I hope that some of that may be answered by a comic series or TV spinoff down the line. Looking forward to the first Lost Con organized by Anna. Yes, let's do it! We should. I would be all about Lost Con, and if we could organize that for like a year or two from now, like once I've graduated <laughs> and have a real people job, I can afford to go. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We I'd, should do Lost Con. I would be all about it, and I love planning stuff. Yes. Okay, if anyone knows anyone at ABC, they can contact us, because we like to organize and plan. I've been a registrar for a conference before. Oh. I can totally do this. And in the Lost community, we have so many people that are really good at artwork. Like, they could make oh, official yeah. Lost Con shirts. Oh, yes. Oh, we Dude. have to do this. Okay, people, seriously, like, we have to work on this. <laughs> Even if it's not an official Lost Con, we have to work on this. <laughs> oh, that'd be so fun. We could get actors to show up, though, if we really started... Doing Maybe stuff, we? we could call Heath and be like, "So you're out in LA? There's there's actory <laughs> people there. Right? You've met Josh Holloway, yeah. But they have like Star Trek conventions. Lost is it's got to be just as big, right? That reminds me of of uh, some of the messages that were playing during the finale that were like the Verizon messages saying goodbye, and someone's uh -huh. like, "I didn't understand Trekkies until now." <laughs> That's funny, because my brother, I showed him the trailer for Alex's uh, Audibly Lost uh -huh. documentary trailer, and he compared it to Trekkies, but in <laughs> sort of, you're geeks, and this is stupid sort of way. <laughs> like, whatever. Well, we are geeks, but in the best way. Yeah, and I mean, he's a Star Trek geek. I'm like, what, what's your problem? I mean, I wouldn't dress up as a Klingon for my wedding. I would not go that far. Um, you did dress up and made a transponder or something for that one no, conference no, no, no. you went to. I... Anna has pictures of herself okay, online. Okay, I was a counselor up. at a high school conference, and they have, like, a dress-up theme every year, so I, had a, I made a Star Trek outfit, <laughs> but that was for fun. I would not do it for a wedding, because people mm -hmm. seriously put on Klingon makeup. You know what a Klingon yes, is? Yes, I do know okay. what a Klingon is. 
because people dress up as that for their wedding, and that is just scary. That's just too... Sorry if anyone out there has actually done that, because maybe this is the same geek crowd out there listening. I don't know. Colin and I played video game music at our wedding. That's pretty geeky. But it was, like, orchestrated versions of video game music. So, like, the Legend of Zelda music is totally super sweet, and they do orchestrated versions, and we did play that before our wedding, actually. That's great. Yeah, it was great because the old people thought like, oh, that sounds nice. And then the people our age were like, dude, that's Zelda at your wedding. And it was really sweet because we met working in a video game store. So we had to have some homage to video games. (laughs) That's great. Well, I think before we wrap up, while we were recording this, we had a couple more submissions for two sentence summaries of Lost come in. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first one will listen to it's a uh audio from andrew from the after Lost podcast then we have a couple um submissions that came in on twitter hey anna and denise it's andrew from after Lost. so you're looking for two sentences to sum it up well what i normally tell people is it involves time travel and a guy takes suggestions from a six foot tall bunny rabbit oh wait that's that's something else uh lost right uh okay how about Lost is an intricately well-written character piece that references most of the human condition. It engages your heart and your mind through various storytelling techniques in a setting that never ceases to astound. Yeah, I think that's uh, sufficiently crammed together. Not too long, enough big words. Hope that works for you guys. Oh, and, uh, Denise, are you aware that I am destroying Anna in Scrabble? It's true. Well, catch you guys later. If only we okay. recorded our reactions okay. while we're listening to those. <laughs> that is cruel. That is so mean. <laughs> you did not need to share that on the podcast. <laughs> well, don't worry, because Anna destroys me at every game of Scrabble, so I gave up like two years ago, because I'm so horrible at it. Okay, here's the deal. I beat him in the first game. I guess he had some unfortunate plays. And then I started three more games, and he's beating me in all of them, but it's one of them, it's like, 300 to like 120 or something because I have had nothing but vowels the entire time. Wow, that's some pretty serious ownage. It's kind of bad. Good job, Andrew. Yeah, and okay, we like your two sentences too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was cool to see you on the, the, the footage that friggin' Italian shot at uh, Jane yeah, Jack's I need, finale. I need to watch cool. that still. Yeah, you gotta watch it. And let's see. One more uh, two sentence submission. This is from Methodic John on Twitter. Lost was entertaining, emotional, mysterious. I only wish I knew it was a character drama at the start. Huh. So I guess some of us came into it with an advantage of hearing them say, or coming in late in season mm-hmm. three and four and hearing them say, it's about the characters, it's about the characters. Huh. Thank you for those two sentence submissions. Uh, again, anyone else who wants to send one in, feel free. We will anyone else that wants to beat Anna at Scrabble? Feel not free. Whammy! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't oh, even well, sign up. Because like least, I said, I lose at it every time. At least time. I beat Alex Hahn from the It Only Ends Once podcast. Well, and didn't you beat Donald pretty routinely? Very routinely, yes. <laughs> and he'll probably never listen to this and find that out. So. However, <laughs> if they ever had Jeopardy and had all of us on, dude, well, okay, I, I wouldn't beat Nancy Drew and Miss Wendy, <laughs> but I would probably beat some people because I can bust out well. the most random stuff. Yeah. And well. I get really hyper and I start like yelling every answer. <laughs> I can just see you with the clicker. like <laughs> No, dude, seriously. No, like, I'm sure. We would play Jeopardy in high school class, and I'd be like, ah! 
Wow, that's intense. <laughs> well, I am very competitive. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> okay, that is our podcast for today. That's all the finale feedback we have, but we still have more next week. Yep. So we look forward to talking to you all again then. And then after that, I don't think we really have a clear plan, but we'll do a couple more podcasts. So if you want to keep sending stuff in, you can go right on our blog, jacobscabinpodcast.com. You can send an email, anna.in.indiana at gmail.com. Um, you can find our Facebook group and become a fan of that page. Just search for Jacob's Cabin Podcast on Facebook, and you should come up with that. And check out Anna's new podcast. Oh, yes, and check out the uh, podcast I'm doing where I'm reading Our Mutual Friend. I haven't done a chapter for a couple weeks just because of busyness and too many thunderstorms to feel no comfortable doubt, with my right? computer plugged <laughs> into the wall. But uh, I'll be getting back to that as soon as I can, hopefully tomorrow or by this weekend. Um, and that is um, in iTunes. You can search for Our Mutual Friend, or you can go to lostaudiobooks.wordpress.com, and there's a that subscribe... That like such an official title <laughs> for your webpage. Well, I'm planning to do more than one book eventually, you know. I mean, that sounds like allowing. a company, almost. <laughs> well. And not related to Lost, but I'm starting a food blog, because... That'll be fun. I love food. If you couldn't tell from our five-minute conversation about ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, so I love food, and I read food blogs all the time. So I'm starting a food blog, and I'll put a link up once it has more than, like, one post. <laughs> okay, so you put that on Twitter? Yeah. Okay, so what's your Twitter? Uh, Sharp Cheddar. Like the food cheese. again! I know! Wow! And I'm EchoBase77 on Twitter, and you can still follow us at any time. There's still Lost Talk going on on Twitter. Some of the time. A lot of the time. Yeah. Twitter's a nice, safe place where you can make Lost references and everyone gets it. And we don't have to worry about spoilers anymore. That's true. Very true. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. You're all wonderful for sending in so much great feedback and just for being out there and listening. So we'll talk at you again next week. Bye. episode was provided by the pod show pod safe music network check them out at music.podshow.com Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.